888-835-2414. This is Learning with Leslie. another episode of Learning with Leslie, the podcast where you learn, I learn, we all learn about how to build an online business with a blog. No, I'm not talking about one of those blogs that will fall by the wayside when Google has a mood swing. I'm talking about one that will thrive no matter what gets thrown at it. I'm your host, Leslie Summer from becomeablogger.com, where we're changing the world one blog at a time. And as usual, I have another exciting interview for you today. For today's interview, I'm on the line with none other than Josh Elledge, who is the founder and chief executive angel of savingsangel.com, which bolsters the buying power of the average U.S. family by combining technology, coupons, and smart thinking for extreme savings on household consumables and everyday items. Through his work with SavingsAngels.com, Josh has emerged as one of the nation's leading experts on consumer savings. He has shared his successful couponing and savings expertise with millions of families both online and in person, and in particular has appeared on TV and radio over a thousand times. That's right, I said a thousand. So I thought I'd, I'd bring him on here to talk about how to get free media experience exposure for your blog since that is something he knows a lot about. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Josh, my man, how are you doing? Leslie, I'm incredible. <laughs> and it's like with that introduction, I, I, it's like if if my energy level was like at an eight before, it, it's like automatically at like an 80. It's like infectious, which is why I listen to this podcast. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that. I know we're going to have a good time today. Now, we connected. Where do we connect? It was in was it North Carolina. Yeah, North Carolina. Um, and I think maybe we've chatted off and on in yes, different places. Before we from spoke on different groups and that sort of thing. Online and so on. But in person, that was the first time we connected. We had a good time. We really yeah. got to know each other. And you you were always, you were talking about this pub, free media exposure thing so much that mm-hmm. I thought to myself, you know what? We got to get Josh on here to talk about this stuff at some point. But before we get into all of that, I got to get to the important stuff. Two important things, actually. The first one, when I had you fill out the form, like giving me information about yourself and so on, there was one thing in there that just kind of stood out to me. (laughs) And Uh that was, I'm a little bit afraid of umbrellas. I know that's a (laughs) weird, weird part to start an interview. But I want to know what is the deal with this umbrella phobia thing? <laughs> okay, so if you, I'm not particularly tall, but I just feel like people, as they're walking down the sidewalk and it's raining, I don't feel like people are paying attention. And one thing I know about umbrellas is they have they have like eight <laughs> pokey things all around the outside of those. And I'm just certain, Leslie, that one day <laughs> someone's not going to be paying attention. They're going to swing their umbrella and it's going to whack me right in the eye. So if I see oncoming umbrella traffic, I normally veer over to the right. In fact, my wife is in here right now and uh, she's nodding her head. All right. So you're, you're mentally, you're always mentally prepared for that one day where it just might happen and you just get out the way. Yeah, yeah. And and yeah, perhaps it might be a little bit of a phobia, but but that's okay. I think everyone's entitled to one good phobia, irrational or not. All right. We'll 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 stick with that. The next one is it's from what I hear, you have a little bit of a Leslie Samuel impression that you do or you can <laughs> do. Ready? Okay, I, I'm so ready for it. Let's um, go. 
Now, now, hang on a second. I got to back up a little bit because I got to get a running start. Your energy level is at such a magical place that that I like. I have to like run fifty meters before right, I can right. actually get there. All right, let's go. All right, here we go. And welcome to <laughs> wait. See, now I got all choked up. All right, so welcome to learning with Leslie. <laughs> So now what you could do is you could cop you could cut that out and paste it. There like, you go. Play both of them and see if people can tell the difference. I don't even Spot need on, I don't even need to show up now. I could just play that. <laughs> 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 awesome stuff. Okay, I want to dive into your story, right? Because Savings Angel. First of all, what does the name even mean? Savings Angel. Where did that come from? Did you did you come from heaven to make people save or something of that sort? You know, it feels like it. And <laughs> I came up with the concept behind the company, behind, you know, the service uh, behind Savings Angel. I really, I needed a name. And that was one of those things that I really contemplated uh, hard and heavy. And my wife and I lived in West Michigan at the time with our three beautiful children. And we had the opportunity to attend a taping of the Oprah show. Oh, and cool. Alicia Keys and Bono were on that show as well. And there was a moment, now the best part of going to a taping with Oprah or whoever is in between the segments when they talk to the crowd. Definitely. And Bono addressed the crowd and he said, you know, we will get to a point in our lives, I believe, that we will look at problems like poverty, hunger, lack, and need in the world and in our communities. And we'll say, how did we let that go on so long when it's actually really easy to solve? And, and it's like right then, it's like everyone else in the room disappeared and there was like this extreme close-up and it's like he was grabbing me by the collars and he was telling me mm. this would be my mission. And so use of the the use of the word angel was absolutely a nod to Oprah and that moment where I knew that if I could just help enough people save money on the things that they regularly buy and they could get products and services for a fraction of what they normally spend, then collectively we could help end hunger, lack, and need in our communities by sharing from our abundance. Wow. That, this, is, this is very interesting to me. So you want to make that, you want to have that positive impact on the world. You want to have that positive impact with people that are struggling with poverty and all those types of things. What made you decide to go the savings angle? I mean, it, in some ways it seems logical, but was there a specific reason for that as opposed to, you know, how to budget better or how to get a good education that will bring you out of poverty or whatever the case might be? What made you decide to go specifically that angle? Well, yeah, it absolutely was a personal experience because my wife and I were going through Dave Ramsey's program ah. and, and doing, um, you know, looking at our spending plan. And, and I'll never forget that moment when there was the line item for groceries and I was filling it out. And I said, honey, how much do we spend at the grocery store? Like four or $500? And thinking, you know, I was completely just throwing a ridiculously high number in there. <laughs> and my wife kind of looked at me, cocked her head, you know, raised one eyebrow. She's like, are you kidding me? You know, we spend like seven, eight, $900 a month at the grocery store. And Leslie, that's what everybody spends. But for whatever reason, like I just couldn't sleep at night because I was thinking <laughs> that is a big ticket item. That's a lot of money. That's almost and a mortgage in some places, right? It is. Absolutely. And, um, 
you know, in our case, it, it absolutely was really <laughs> yeah. close to what we were paying for our mortgage. And so I had heard about people that have, were, were able to successfully cut their grocery bill in half. And, you know, we know these people as kind of extreme couponers. And so what I wanted to do is create some technology that would do all of the hard work because I'm ambitiously lazy. And then I could just kind of log into a website and just basically just say, okay, just, just tell me what to buy. And that's what Savings Angel does. So we specialize in helping busy people save, you know, three, four, five hundred dollars a month at the grocery store by telling them exactly what they should be buying. Now you could buy anything you want, but quite frankly, I'd recommend that you get the products for, you know, that you can get for 70, 80% off or even free each week. So it's pretty exciting. And also, Leslie, I believe that if someone is uh if they're struggling financially, one of the best gateways to helping them to live a more abundant life is that you give them early wins. You have to put something in their hand and say, see, you just had a success because it's motivating and it's going to encourage them to continue on that path of living a more abundant life. And so if I can give everybody a $300 a month pay raise, then all of a sudden people are feeling pretty happy about that. And then I can encourage them to do all kinds of other positive things with their money. I like that. So this this isn't necessarily a blog. This is more like a platform. Is that correct? So it's a membership-based website, okay. uh, which we launched uh, now over nine years ago. Oh, it's wow. $3.99 a month, uh, three, uh, sorry, $3.99 a week for our premium service. But we have lots of stuff for free uh, at Savings Angel as well. So we have a very active blog. We have a podcast. And then, of course, I do a lot of work working with the media. So I do a lot of TV, a lot of radio. Um, I write a syndicated newspaper column throughout the state of Michigan, nine newspapers, 1.1 million readers. Nice. And I just feel it's like it's my mission to serve audiences. And if you serve enough people and just give of your time, your resources, just give, give, give and love. You know what? People will come back and they will say, well, I really appreciate everything that you've given my family. You know, how how can we take this relationship mm. to the next level? And of course, that's where we offer more of a um, a full service solution uh, that does a lot more work for people. Okay, so this makes a lot of sense. I'm I'm curious about the the origins though. In terms of how does it how did it start? Did it start as a blog, a podcast? Did it start as uh, this platform? Did it start as all of it, the membership site and everything, right at the beginning? How how did you get it started? It started as an Excel spreadsheet that I would put online. Well, that, oh, I, I, that's not so what I was expecting. Ugly. It was so <laughs> ugly, Leslie. And uh, but you know, um, I, I had enough passion behind it uh, that people were willing to overlook some of the ugly. Wait, 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 wait. And, and the information was good. So no. And at that time, you know, it was a skeleton crew. It was just my wife and I, and we would spend eight, nine, 10 hours a day just punching in data. So in order to have a solution, have a service to sell people. So, you know, we just kept doing that and doing that and doing that. And then it, you know, with the, all the media that I was able to do right out of the gate, I it was very, very, um, lucky to to have a little bit of knowledge in how to work with the media because it really paid off for us. Okay, wait, I want to get back to the spreadsheet, but before I dig into that just a little more because I think I think that can be very encouraging for people that are just getting started. But before that, where is Savings Angel today? So Savings Angel, we've done over 5 million dollars in sales by this point. 
Um, and it's, it's a very popular site. So, you know, and it's really interesting that you and I are talking because we are now going, we've always had a very active and popular blog. However, we've seen so many opportunities come from having an audience that we're actually starting to emphasize our blog more and more. And we're going through a major redesign right now to focus on uh, our our position as a leader in this space from an information standpoint. So our blog is going to become the absolute keystone to our company. And the membership side is is just kind of the, you know, what's next. But, um, you know, there's so much opportunity right now for influencers who oh, are – you know, are, are really respected and enjoyed by large audiences. Yeah, okay, so I, I love that. Let's go back. Now that we have, you know, it, you got, it's obviously doing very well. Let's go back to the spreadsheet because that's where it started. You're mm. saying it was just a, a spreadsheet that was on a website and people could just go and access the spreadsheet. Is that correct? Yeah. So as soon as I started using the information myself and I started, I started sharing the results, like, my goodness, I just got $100 worth of groceries for $22. Uh, you know, and people were like, are you kidding? You got to tell me how you did that. And, and in fact, I had one friend that said, you know, you really should put that on the internet and turn it into like a membership site or a, a web business charge access to that. And I said, well, you know, if you could save $100 consistently every week, how much would that be worth? Do you think it would be worth like four or five dollars? And people were like, "Yeah, of course, <laughs> return on investment. That's a no-brainer." And so we used a, a, a very old uh, membership software at the time and just put um, all of our data behind that. And you know, as long as you provide lots of value, see, I believe you know, success in business. If you want to have a product that's a recurring product um, that's going to and your income is going to rely on retention, you need to make sure that you always deliver way, way, way more value consistently week after week beyond what you ask for from your audience. Got it. Okay. So spreadsheet, membership site. It was a paid membership site from the beginning? Yeah, it was okay. uh, simply because, you know, kind of the lean startup model, I, I tested it. I did a lot of asking and, and people were willing to pay a few dollars for it. And, so, And then from the uh, spreadsheet, where did we go? Uh, so from there, uh, you know, my wife and I, for many, many months, uh, we did the work ourselves and I started a, a regular weekly segment at a local Christian broadcaster in Holland, Michigan. And I would deliver the absolute best deals that they wouldn't want to miss on air. And then, of course, for more, they would just go to my website and they I would have more information that they could go from there. And then from there, um, we started appearing in lots of ad magazines, news magazines, newspapers. Um, and then finally, it was many months later that the Grand Rapids Press, which is a, a decent sized newspaper, Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, did a, a front page story oh, in the wow. in the front page of the business section all about Savings Angel. And Leslie, that was a magical day because from that day forward, my wife and I never had to worry about money again. And we never had to worry about where the customer is going to come from. Because by then, it really, once we got quote unquote discovered 
And again, this isn't like we were uh, on the Today Show, but that was enough traffic that it really started getting the momentum going. And then from there, we started doing lots of Chicago. I, we, I, I started appearing on lots of Chicago media, Chicago TV, Chicago radio, started doing some national stuff with some Christian broadcasters, um, and really just kind of expanded the brand by serving audiences and delivering as much value as I can. Okay. And what's really cool is out of all of the business that we've created, and this is going to blow some people's minds, we have spent less than $500 in, in traditional advertising. Okay, this is starting when? What year did you start this? January of 2007. January in 2007. It is now uh, 2016. It's May of 2016. So we're dealing with nine years. Mm-hmm. Nine years, maximum $500 invested in, in terms of getting exposure. Yeah, the rest is that, uh, you know, we just, we find, uh, you know, we find uh, audiences and we find ways to serve those audiences. And it's really important that if you're going to pursue PR and you're going to grow your business through exposure through the media, that you have a servant's heart and that you don't do it strictly for, um, the intention of making money. Now, you will absolutely make money, but you have to initiate that relationship with a pure heart of just wanting to serve that audience. Because if you serve them well enough, then they will come see you. It's like if you're on Broadway and the Today Show invites you to perform your smash hit number on TV in front of a national audience, would you hold back? (laughs) Of course you wouldn't. You would deliver your best performance ever because you know that that's an amazing audience. But unfortunately, I think a lot of business owners start getting stingy with their Mm. stuff when they are in front of audiences and they're like, what? You want me to give my stuff away for free? (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. Let's let's pull back. We got to pull back. Yes, yes, um, and I wanna, I wanna, I wanna dig into this because I think a lot of people are gonna gonna finish this episode with their minds like exploding and excited to try all these different types of things that we're gonna <laughs> talk about. But before that, one more question. I w- I want to get an idea of the timeline between when you started the blog, when you started on that local Christian radio station, and when you got picked up in the t- um, Grand Rapids Press. What was the timeline there that we're dealing with? You know, I think it was about a year, if I'm not mistaken. And in that year, Leslie, it was tough. I mean, there were, uh, I actually had lost, uh, I had an independent contractor position uh, that I had previous to launching Savings Angel. And a few months after launching Savings Angel, that all went away. I, I had no income. So during this time, it was a really good period for us because we struggled. We struggled financially, we struggled emotionally, we struggled spiritually in every sense of the word. But it it was a season of humility where mm. we were able to, and I really feel like, you know, for those who believe in God, this was a season of humility so that we could be ready for that next phase. And, you know, it's like people who earn money too quickly, sometimes it's kind of hard for them to manage that. People who receive windfalls, you know, but for us, you know, and of course there was a backstory behind this where I failed many times. And I I really am so grateful for those, those really, those lean months, those lean years, those, those quote-unquote failures that put me in a position where I would develop the grit and the personality traits so that I could really serve uh, the our audiences and, and those people who entrust us. You know, when I think about when I left my job, and I think about how difficult it was. You know, I left my job at the end of 
June and July one rent was due and I didn't have that rent (laughs) and I didn't exactly know how that rent was going to be paid. And Mm. the months after that were very tough months. I look back on that time and it sounds like this is what you're saying right now. I'm looking back at that time and it's not kind of like, man, I wish I didn't have to go through that. It's kind of like, man, I am so glad that I went through that because now, you know what? I appreciate what I have. Not only that, I can identify with someone else that may be going through the exact same situation. I mean, is that kind of how you feel? Yeah, absolutely. And and I think given what I do, it's very important for me to understand what it's like. Now, again, I've we've been through, you know, previous to this, we went through bankruptcy. Mm. You know, previous previous to this, we lost a house. You know, previous to this, we we had those struggles. And you know, for me to just, you know, waltz in and just be this millionaire who got rich by helping other people save money, I just don't feel like that for me, would have been truly authentic. But because I understand it so well, uh, you know, for me, it's important to always have a servant's heart and to serve those people. Because one thing I know is if you're familiar with Jim Rohn's seasons of life, everyone goes through those seasons. Everyone goes through the winters in life. Mm. And the beautiful thing about winter is that without fail, there is a spring. And after spring, there's a summer. And And after a summer, there's the fall where we have our harvest. And, you know, it doesn't matter what your level is. Everybody has those ups and downs. And, you know, I really went through a lot of blood, sweat, and tears to understand that principle. But now that I do, Leslie, and I'm sure you have this experience too, where, you know, you still get punched in the nose. (laughs) Oh, yeah. it, It doesn't... You know, it's it's like, you know, I always feel like this too. Let me say it this way. Mm -hmm. Is that now today, when I have a string of failures, I get curious. And instead of down, I say, oh my goodness. One thing I know is that it seems like, and I'm sure this is a famous quote, my greatest successes always follow my greatest failures, Mm. if you want to call them that. And so when I have a series of weird things that are so, you know, quote unquote bad, let's call it, let's call them challenges. Let's call them challenges. Yes. Yeah. So, so here's what I want you to do. And I'm going to have to fight to not have this interview go on for five hours because I'm, <laughs> I, 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 I feel as if we could just go on for five hours talking about this stuff. But this is what I want for you to do right now. I can almost guarantee you that there are many people listening to this right now that that's at that point. Yeah. And what I want for you to do, I want you to imagine this with me. I want you to imagine that you are sitting down with that one person right now that's listening to this. There's no recording device. There's no learning with Leslie or anything of that sort. They just told you about the, the mess that they are going through right now. What would you say to that person? I want them to know, first and foremost, that they are not alone. I think one of the most discouraging emotions that we feel is despair and we feel hopeless and we feel maybe regret. And we start thinking that who we are is our current state of affairs. Mm -hmm. And it's so important to understand that that's not you. You're not your current state of affairs. 
we are constantly living in an echo of previous experiences or choices or whatever it may be. So if there's not enough money coming in right now, then generally that has something to do with what's gone on for the past year. But if, so we're kind of, you know, again, we're always, you know, maybe it's months, maybe it's weeks, maybe it's years behind of the work that we put in. So the fruits, Leslie, that you're enjoying today, those Mm -hmm. seeds were sown long ago. Mm-hmm. And so you have to understand that, and this is good. This is really good that, that our results are not instant. It, you know, it's like, if you want to lose weight, I, I also, I've lost 60 pounds. I used oh, wow. to be a heavy dude. Um, and one thing that I learned is that it takes consistent choices day after day, week after week after week and consistency. And lo and behold, the results will come. But unfortunately, a lot of us get frustrated and they say, wait a minute, I'm doing the thing. Why am I not rich already? And it's just, again, I think patience is one of those skills. If there was one thing that I think that if if man could perfect this skill, man or woman could perfect this skill, um, it would be your crowning achievement in life. And that's truly perfecting the skill of patience because that's a hard one. It's a really <laughs> oh, hard one. Uh, but if you can get comfortable with the the patience cycle, you will you are so much more likely to live a life filled with joy. Ah oh, man, okay, all right. Ah, oh, okay. We let's- are waxing philosophical, <laughs> oh, my friend. <laughs> oh man, okay. Let's let's okay, let's get into the PR stuff. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I <laughs> because I could I could stick to the end forever. I am a new blogger. Or a relatively new blogger. Maybe I have some content going on my blog. Or maybe I'm me, right? And I've been blogging for a while. I'm hearing this Josh talk about, this Josh guy talk about all this PR stuff and media and so on. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what? I want to take my spreadsheet, and in this case, my spreadsheet is my blog, and I want to start to do what he did in terms of getting media exposure and using that as a way to get my blog out there. Mm. Let's go from the beginning. Where do we start? Well, a lot of times, and Leslie, I I consult with a lot of bloggers and business owners, and a lot of times we'll start talking about this concept of PR, and oftentimes I'll get a little pushback where they say, well, I tried PR and it didn't work. Mm -hmm. And I say, well, what did you do? And a lot of times they'll say something to the effect of, well, I just uh, sent out an email to 15, 20 reporters and not a single one of them responded. So what I'll tell you is that that's a rookie mistake and it's totally normal. And you know what? You you get an A plus for effort and for trying, but let me share with you some of the important things that we want to make sure that we do before that. So I'm going to give you some real action items right now. If I were to, again, we were to sit down and I were to say, okay, you're a new blogger, go out and do PR stuff for an hour. What would you do? Well, most people would probably panic, um, and then a group of people would probably just start spamming reporters. That's probably the worst thing that you should do. What we want to do is we want to make sure that you have the greatest opportunity for success, because essentially all we're talking about is a flavor of influential influencer marketing, right? So we want to connect with influencers and we want to find out what they need and how we can make their job easier because they have an audience and that audience is thirsty for content. Now, 
the influencer's job is to also be the gatekeeper for their audience. So they likely produce original content, and then they also rely on experts and newsmakers and um, you know, subject matter experts, reliable, uh, reliable sources to help fill in the story. And so when you reach out to an influencer or when you reach out to a producer or a reporter, this might be an unpaid intern and you're relying, your business is relying on their snap judgment, which they will make Sometimes in the space of 10 seconds, that's all you get to make a positive impression. So it's really important that we laser focus, first thing we do, on making sure that we increase your perceived credibility. The reason why is when you reach out to somebody, and we've all experienced this, you get an email from someone that's unsolicited. You didn't ask for the email, but it's someone who's offering something. Every day. You're going to look at the (laughs) offer, and then you're going to make a decision. And that email is going to fall into one one of four categories. Number one, whoa, this person's important. I'm going to reply immediately. Number two, this person's important, but I'm busy right now, but I'll reply later. And you do. Number three, oh, yeah, this person, I'll get to this later. And then you do, or then you you don't, you completely forget it. Like you get too busy. That happens to us. And then number four, why is this person emailing me? Get lost, right? I don't have time to do this. So I want to make sure that anyone that I advise falls into camps one or two. And in order to do that, there are a few things that are really going to help your chances. Now, none of these things are necessarily going to rule you out uh, if you don't have these things put in place. But if you do, it's really going to help. So number one is, let's just assume, uh, Leslie, and we could talk about this next, but your pitch has to be on point. I mean, it has to be good. And we could talk about that in just a minute. But I want to make sure that you have the three reputation builders all put in place. Number one is that your website looks journalist friendly. It's modern. It's up to date. If we scroll down to the bottom of your website and it says copyright 2013, you know, that's, uh, you might want to take care of that because it it looks like you haven't updated your website. So, um, you know, I recommend that most professional bloggers or business owners update your website every couple of years. The design we have at Savings Angel right now, we're going through a major redesign because it was good two years ago, but it's already not good. And so, uh, so we're going through that redesign. That's number one. Your website has to load quickly, has to be mobile responsive, of course, and it needs to impress somebody very quickly. Now, it should also include a media kit, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Number two is that your digital reputation needs to be good. Any good journalist is going to do their due diligence. And so they are going to Google Leslie Samuel. They are going to Google Josh Elledge. And matter of fact, I invite anyone listening to us, Leslie, go ahead and Google those names right now. (laughs) And I can tell you, that those search results are really good because I know that I've done a lot of work in my space to, um, you know, to kind of claim my authority. I've done a lot of service to, uh, you know, for other audiences. I do a lot of podcast interviews. I work with a lot of other bloggers, a lot of people in the media. And again, you know, writing my own syndicated column and appearing on TV in 55 markets twice a month, that doesn't hurt either. So now some people might say, oh, you know, I'm just just starting. Don't worry. 
Almost anyone can improve your Google search results inside of about 90 days. You just have to uh, be willing to serve audiences and you might have to start really small. And so the boy, we could spend like a whole session I, on I this. Was, I was just about, thinking that. Yeah, that could be an entire guest thing. You have to be very careful about this. Uh, let me just let me just say this. Let me give you a survival crash course in being a guest blogger. If you ask for anything, if you demand anything in return, you are doing it wrong. I get hit up all the time about people who want to guest post on my website, and they always include the same formula. All I ask for is links back and promotion, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Who are you? Like, would you ever go to a reporter and start making demands of what you want from them? That's not their job. Their job is not to give you exposure. Their job is to tell a story. Their job is to, tell, is to serve that audience. So here's what I recommend you do instead. When you reach out to an influencer and you're like, because you you want to serve audiences and you have to have a noble heart, right? You can't fake this, but you also need to let them know if you do this, and Leslie, I'd love your opinion on this. If you say, I don't need anything in return, I just really love your mission, I love what you do, and I'm very passionate about this subject, I don't need any links back, I don't need any promotion, I'm just very grateful for the opportunity to serve. How would you respond to that versus someone who's like, Oh, you know, how would you like my infographic? And, you know, just make sure you link back to our website. It sounds like you're reading the emails that I get sent every single day. Oh my God. But I never get, I don't know that I've ever gotten the email that says what you said. I just love your message and I want to yeah. provide value to your audience. Exactly. I mean, even as simply as that, I can't tell you that I've gotten that kind of email Isn't from, that from, a, from a random person. Now, someone that I know and they're, we, yep. we're, we're connected and we're friends and they know me, yes, that's more likely to happen. But yep. from the, the random emails that I get on a daily basis, that has absolutely never happened. So huh. if it were to happen, I would at least pay attention. Exactly. And, and right. you know, now if, their pitch still has to be good and they does. have to be credible, which is the other stuff we're talking about. Um, but really, I call this, uh, Leslie, the cardinal sin of PR is asking for stuff back from the journalist. Now, there are ways that you can ask in a professional way without saying, I need you to promote me, right? For example, if you're getting ready to go and do a TV interview, you would ask them a question like, oh, how did you plan to refer to me? Or, oh, you know, beforehand, oh, just, and, and you ask a question. Oh, how are you planning on um, putting my website, you know, how are you planning on listing my website at the bottom, right? And just, you know, ask a question, you know, in that way, um, in, in that case, it's completely appropriate. So in other but words, it is not to go and do a TV segment and promote, promote, promote your own thing. Otherwise, you'll be blacklisted. You will never be on that TV station ever again okay, so uh, if you do that kind of nonsense. This is and interesting. Yeah. yeah. Mentioning your website um, very, very casually and appropriately twice is fine. Mentioning it three times, way too much. Okay. So this is, this is actually very interesting to me um, because- Generally speaking, when people teach about guest blogging and being interviewed and those types of things, like on podcasts, like what you're doing right now, they teach about it from the perspective of that will get you links back and then you can get traffic yeah. from, from the site and so on, which is, which is fine. That's, that's great. Yeah. But it sounds as if you're coming from a different perspective. It sounds as if 
what you're saying is that you're doing these things not necessarily for search engine optimization. You're no. doing it just to have that digital reputation, to be exactly. able to, when someone exactly. searches for you, they're going to find good stuff. Absolutely. And Leslie, I think the most important thing is when, when I teach PR, I teach play the long game. I'll give you a perfect example. I have gone in to my local Fox affiliate here in Orlando, Florida, every Tuesday morning for the past six years. Now, I could have that first time that I was invited to be on air just went on and really just went for the kill in terms of promoting Savings Angel, but I would have lost the bigger opportunity. Mm. So if you can be, now as a digital content producer, if you can work together with other media and other, uh, you know, gatekeepers of audiences and you can build relationships that will pay you for life, then you can build a traffic machine because influencers, the media, they have the ability to wave their magic wand and send lots of traffic your way, but you can't ask for it. You have to allow them to give. You have to allow them to reciprocate. It's I'm telling you, I've been doing this for 10 years. And even before then, I've been a journalist. I've been in this field for a long, long time. Um, those people who play it cool, just be like the Fonz. You're going to, you know, you're going to do so much better. Because again, even when a journalist says something like, oh, we should get you lots of traffic for your website, I want you to demure. I want you to say, I appreciate that, but you know, really, that's not why I'm here. I'm just very grateful for the opportunity to serve. And oh, you have man. to mean it too. I love this. It's like you're taking everything that I, I try to teach online and you're saying it's the same thing offline. People love it when you provide value. And if mm -hmm. you can provide value not just to the reporter but to the audience, they, I mean, why would they turn away value? Why would they say, you know what, you did such a good job last time at providing value. We never want to see you again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. doesn't and happen. That third thing that I want to make sure we don't forget is uh, Twitter. Okay. Twitter is by far the number one platform for reaching out with those in the media. So that said, you should have a very good profile. You should have a very good cover art. Um, you should have a good avatar. You should have a decent number of followers, a couple of hundred. That's fine. You can build for that, right? It, anyone can do that. And you should show a little bit of engagement. And you should show, most importantly, that you are a thought leader in training for your industry. Because at the end of the day, that's really what I want. People who follow my advice, I want them to become subject matter experts for their industry so that they can then serve other audiences with the thing that they know better than 99.9% .9 of the population. Love it. Okay, so we have our reputation builders in place. We've spent maybe the, the last 90 days working on this stuff. We have a good website. It looks awesome. Um, we, 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 um, uh, we're using Twitter, and we, we're making sure to present ourselves the right way on Twitter. Where do we go from there? So on you know let's stick with twitter because it is i'm telling you leslie if you if you do this right if you use this right 
the person listening to this right now can save themselves three to $5,000 a month in not having to hire a PR firm to do this. With, with Twitter and with other um, systems that exist, there's so much that you can do on your own without needing to hire this out. And I'm sorry to my PR friends, but you know it's true. <laughs> now, I, look, I, I, I jest a little bit. There are things that a PR professional can do that they are extreme, you know, the extremely skilled ones are very good at what they do. However, for a small business, a very small business or a blogger, um, return on investment is a little challenging at smaller dollar levels. So what I want you to focus on is use Twitter and I want you to identify journalists in your industry and journalists in your geography and your in your local market. And I want you to put them into two lists. You need to create a Twitter list. And then I want you to routinely follow what those journalists are tweeting about or any influencer. I want you to get really good and watching what they talk about. And you're going to get a feel for which journalists are going to be much better for you to reach out to. And then you'll start identifying, you know, the journalists that you have these things in common. They're interested in your very specific niche. Uh, and then what I want you to do along the way is you're, you're kind of following what they're doing. You're favoriting or liking, you're retweeting, you're responding, Rule number one of Twitter, right, is don't be creepy. <laughs> just be cool, all right? You know, just make your, what you want to do is make yourself known. You want them to go, oh, yeah, I think I remember that Josh guy. And, you know, you want them to, you want to leave them with a positive uh, experience. So don't go overboard. Just, just before, then, you, before you move on really quick, yeah, yeah, yeah. you said put them in two lists. These two lists are what, industry and geography? Or? Exactly. Okay, right. Now, you don't have to do it that way. You could do it any way that works for you. And matter of fact, if you do a search uh, for different Twitter lists, you might have, you might be able to find a, a Twitter list already built for West Michigan journalists or, you know, San Diego journalists. Uh, and, you know, just do a search and see if you can find uh, one that's already been built for that. Because the media data database, uh, the media databases that you can buy are extremely expensive. We buy it for all of our clients uh, and then we kind of split it up, but it'd be kind of tough for a small business owner to buy something like that. So you can find this for free on the internet yourself generally. Uh, yeah. And then the reason you want to list, uh, Leslie, as opposed to just trying to catch these people in your news feed is it's very difficult. Yep. Um, you know, generally most of us, when we get on Twitter, if we have a bunch of followers, we're only going to see what they've tweeted in the past five to 10 minutes. So if we put them in a list, then we can monitor that list a lot more easily. Now, if I'm if I'm just getting started and I want to, you know, dabble in this stuff and get some, you know, that initial exposure and so on, is there like a, a specific number of journalists that you recommend following or just choose what makes sense for you? You know, I like to see... Uh, I, I like to see that someone has targeted somewhere between five and 15 journalists. A lot of times people think more is more when in fact, I would much rather see someone have a really good relationship with five journalists than have a reputation as a spammer to 50 journalists. Now, when you're looking for these journalists, are you? is there any kind of a distinction? Like you don't want to get the top top journalists you want to start with those that are smaller or how mm -hmm. what do you what do you recommend there uh you know in the case of bloggers and podcasters absolutely start small if you want to reach out to influential bloggers and podcasters 
journalists, um, they get the, the bigger ones are going to get hit up more often. However, if you really, they have such demanding, um, requirements in terms of content that you could probably do just as fine in many cases with a very prominent journalist as you could with a smaller journalist. It's not always the case. I mean, it's, it's very, very, um, you just, you never know what you're going to get and what their needs are and how your needs match up with them. It's better that they are really, really interested in what you do. So for example, if you blog about startups in San Antonio and you found a very prominent journalist who's very passionate about startups in San Antonio, that's a perfect match. Yep. And, you know, it doesn't matter how big or how small they are, they're going to work with you. Yeah. <laughs> so that, I think, is more important than, you know, how big they are. Uh, it, it, again, I would say, you know, the exception to this would be bloggers and podcasters because for whatever reason, big bloggers and big podcasters do get hit up quite a bit. Yeah. So they're probably going to have their guard up a bit more. Gotcha. Okay, so um, we're focusing on Twitter. Is that the only platform that we're focusing on for communication? For communication, yes, when it comes to initiating a relationship. Got it. Oftentimes, the journalist will then say, here's my email address. Go ahead and zip me, uh, you know, your notes or, you know, some bullet points or, you know, your pitch. And that, when you get that invitation, that's awesome. You know, once you've turned the Twitter relationship into an email relationship, uh, then that's really good. So I'm following a number of journalists in my niche, in my local area and so on. I'm I'm interacting with, engaging with them, favoriting the stuff that they send out that's relevant, um, responding to them, you know, having a conversation with them on Twitter. Where do yeah, I go from and that's there? what you want to do. Uh, you know, in answer to your question of other social media platforms, I would say for reputation, I would say uh, LinkedIn also matters quite a bit because, again, we want to convey that we're an authority in our space, and LinkedIn is really good for that. But in terms of communication, Twitter is your first one, and then you can shift to email when you get the okay. And and with LinkedIn, you're you're basically saying make sure that your profile is up to date. You have the relevant information on there, and your digital reputation on LinkedIn looks good as well. Yeah, absolutely. Because a good journalist will check you out there. I do that. You know, when I get, you know, I get uh, interesting proposals from people, I want to check them out and see if they're legit. And that's where I look. I look and see, uh, you know, what some of their metrics are on social media. Because, and, and look, I don't, I think a lot of what I've shared, some people might think that this sounds very superficial. Um, Influencers are extremely busy, right? Everyone's busy, but influencer, influencers have learned the art of selection mm -hmm. in terms of, ugh, you know, I can only afford to work with so many people. And again, when I say influencers, I mean journalists, I mean digital journalists, I mean all of the above. So they have to learn to sort very rapidly. And it's not a perfect system, unfortunately. Um, but what I'm telling you is that if you can put your best foot forward and you can brand yourself right, the chances of you succeeding are going to be phenomenal. One guy that I've been coaching, uh, you know, went from getting nothing uh, to now in the past two months, he's been in 10 major publications. Wow. And he credits his uh, getting his reputation up to snuff okay. uh, as being the number one thing that made all the difference in the world. All right, we got to get to the pitch at some point, right? So how do we know yep. what to pitch and when? So 
there are two ways to do PR. There's proactive and then there's reactive. Proactive would be that you are the one coming up with the idea and you're introducing that to your media contacts. So the best, most effective way to do this is to do what's, it's a term, it's called newsjacking. Now, all you need to do, Leslie, is just watch what's happening in your industry. A general journalist or even an industry journalist may not know everything that's going on in your niche. For example, with the Chicago Tribune, I work with a couple of consumer reporters. Now, they come to me because I know what's going on specifically in the couponing industry. And so they've come to me several times because they can count on me for a really good quote because I know everything that's going on. Now, that would be reactive, right? If they're already working on something. But proactive would be, hey, we're, I actually just blogged on a story about something that's going on, you know, specifically with becoming a successful blogger in your case. And so you would reach out to the entrepreneurial journalists and say, you know, I worked on this is actually a really important thing. Google changed their algorithm and, and this really impacts journalists or really impacts bloggers in a big way. In fact, I just blogged about this. Um, here's a link to it. And, you know, if you decide that you want to pursue this, you know, here's four bullet points uh, that I think would make really good points to make. And here's a couple of quotes that you could use. If you package that and sent that to your journalist contact of, of someone who you have a decent relationship with, that is going to, st statistically, that will do very, very well. Uh, as opposed to um, being very light in uh, in your proposal or your contact, um, it's very important that you just kind of make it as easy as possible for your journalists. And this is probably my biggest tip for all of PR, is that you recognize that journalists are extremely busy. And the more you can make their job easy, the more they are going to say, oh, I love this Leslie Samuel guy, <laughs> uh, you know, learning with Leslie. I want to do, you know, it's like anytime he sends me an email, I'm going to open it because it's always really good stuff. And I know I can build a story around it. He always has great content. And I think also, Leslie, a perfect pitch also includes not just content, but you know, kind of an editorial slant or a, a hook, if you will, that might be a little either unconventional or, uh, you know, maybe confrontational or maybe controversial. Uh, and that gets, you know, that they can really build a good headline around if you take a strong stance on something. I, I love it. Okay, uh, that's proactive. What about reactive? So reactive, I would recommend that if you are watching your lists of, of, of journalist friends, that you find out when they say, ah, I need an expert in the field of whatever. And so, for example, I'm part of a personal finance group in Facebook, and there are personal finance journalists who are part of that group. And I commonly get opportunities from journalists to say, ah, I need a quote on blah, 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 you know, something to do with budgeting or consumer stuff. And I always, here's, here's my, um, philosophy on PR. I don't care how busy you, I am in business. Like if I'm working on something, if I get an opportunity from a journalist, I will drop 
everything I am doing and I will immediately get that journalist everything that they need. And I will go above uh, above and beyond to make sure that I've made their job super, super easy. The reason why I want to do that, number one, I'd love to be a part of the story. Number two is that I want them to know that they can rely on me. If I serve them, even if it's a story that really doesn't help my business a whole lot, I'm okay with that. I've done lots of news stories where it really doesn't do a whole lot of good for Savings Angel, but they're in a pinch, they need help, I want to be that helper so that they can then, like perfect example as a reporter here in Orlando, I did three stories that, you know, didn't really do much for Savings Angel. But then he did a whole news story all about Savings Angel, and I didn't ask for it. He's just, you know, he felt like, it kind of felt like he wanted to reciprocate. Um, You know, and we talked about it a little bit while we were doing the other stories, but that's a great position to be in. Oh, man. <laughs> okay, so I feel like I could ask a hundred more questions, but we're coming down to the end. <laughs> so, oh, man. I, I, it really is. And, you know, no one teaches you this stuff. I feel, unfortunately, the PR industry is a little guarded on um, wanting to make sure that they are able to retain their billable hours as opposed to just serving entrepreneurial uh, entrepreneurs. So, again, sorry to my PR friends, but you know it's true. <laughs> So, so, so here's what we're gonna do then. Um, people are gonna listen to this, and they they're gonna feel like I feel like feel right now. They'll be like, ah, don't stop, continue. You have a workshop that you do. Tell me a little bit about that workshop. Yeah, sure. So I'm a, you know, as you gathered, I'm a big believer in just serving audiences and you just give, 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 give. And the more you give, the more people will appreciate you. And they may know someone who might need, you know, additional services that you offer. But, you know, one of those things is I do a workshop, a webinar, um, generally every other Tuesday. Um, and you can find information about that. You just go to up upendpr.com forward slash workshop uh, or, you know, just upendpr or Leslie, I'm sure they can go to your website and they'll, there'll be a link there. Um, but if it's not a workshop, you know, if you just check my website, I've got Blabs, I do Periscope. I, I'm really, really, really big on doing pro bono work. I work with a lot of accelerators and startup groups and network locally and just serve as many people as I can. And you know what? I, I've just found philosophically that if you help enough people get what they want, you'll be taken care of. Now, this workshop is something that you do on a regular basis or is it like a one-time thing? Currently, I do a workshop on a webinar platform uh, twice, once every other week. And then the, yeah. uh, the opposite week, I'll try and do like a Paris or Blab or something like that. I, I really, it's important for me uh, to to make myself available. I've been so blessed and I'm at that stage in business now where it's all about leaving a legacy. How many people can I help uh, be able to quote unquote get discovered or create more success in their business? Love it, love it. We're not going to leave it there. We got to leave them with some action steps. Okay, Josh, someone just listened to this. Their mind is blown. They're like, man, maybe I could do this. What should they actually do? Let's give them three action steps right now. You need to go through your website right now and imagine that you are a journalist. And I want you to look at your website through the eyes of a journalist. What are they going to be looking for? You need to supply that. Also, you need to make sure that it communicates authority. That's number one. All right. That's number one. Let's go with number two. 
Number two, go to your Twitter account right now and you need a facelift. I don't care how active you are on Twitter. There are things you can do to improve how you come across on Twitter, whether it's tweeting better stuff, more engaging stuff, updating your cover art, your avatar. You go do it. Awesome. Give your Twitter account a facelift. And number three... Number three would be to identify uh, maybe other bloggers, other podcasters, you know, just anyone in your space that is at about your level and start finding ways to be of service to them without expectation of return. And you know what's going to happen if you're if you have a heart of a servant and your heart is truly in the right place. They most a vast majority of them will reciprocate, and guess what's going to happen to your digital reputation? If I do a Google search for you in a few months, it's going to be awesome. I love it. I absolutely love it, Josh. Thank you so much for coming on here and doing exactly what you told told them to do. <laughs> I'm a big learning with Leslie fan, so you know I can't help. But, I mean, this is this is honestly one of those things that you know I've I, as I've listened to you uh, over the years, and you're now. My gosh, I can't believe how many episodes you have. Uh, I've gotten so much value. I've learned particularly about email marketing. That was huge for me. Your help on your website in terms of um, using GetResponse and building a list and serving that list and growing that list has been so valuable. So it's I am thrilled to, to be able to, to to be able to work with you and and to provide some value. Well, thank you so much, man. I appreciate you so much, guys. I hope you. I keep saying I hope. I know you got a ton of value from that. I don't hope anything. Uh, but if you want to find out more about what Josh does, if you want to take part in that workshop, upendpr.com slash workshop. Of course, I'm going to link to his blog, his site, his everything, and that workshop from the show notes for this episode. Hey, just want to let you know what's coming up. Next week, episode 265. Coincidentally, he just spoke about email lists. Well, that's what we're going to talk about, how to grow your email list. We're going to talk about getting people to sign up, keeping them interested. And then how do you get them to buy? Anyhow, this was episode number 264. You can, I hope uh, you can find the show notes and all the stuff that we spoke about today at becomeablogger.com slash 264. If you missed anything, don't worry, it's going to be there. And if you know someone that could benefit from this episode in particular, make sure to share it with them. Tell them to come to becomeablogger.com slash podcast. They can find this one and all of the other episodes that we've done. 264 of them. That's a whole lot. If you're trying to get your blog started so that you can create content, inspire others, and change the world, head on over to freebloggingvideos.com where you can take my free course to get started. But if you want to take it to the next level, you want to be coached by me, join the Become a Blogger Coaching Club at bloggercoaching.com. Our members love it, and you will too. So that's it from this episode. This is Leslie Summer from becomeablogger.com where we're changing the world one blog at a time. And until next time, Take care and God bless.